0: Our reading this evening is Psalm 32, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will teach you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked But the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Amen. Well, good evening.
1: Um, Just before we begin, let me pray and then we'll get into God's word. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this psalm. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us all through it and by it. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to be clear and faithful in what I say. And Lord, I pray that you would be working in each one of the hearts here present um, to see you differently uh, as we leave this room as to when we entered it. So Lord, be with us, I pray. Thank you that you are. Um, And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Neil mentioned before, we're carrying on our series in prayer. Uh, Last week, we looked at praise and what it looks like to have prayers of praise. Uh, And this evening, we're carrying on into our second week of that, and we're looking at confession. And what does it look like for us to be intimate in our prayer life with God? Now, even as I said that word confession, there is up on the screen, big, bold, in red letters, confession. What comes to your mind when I say that word? Confession. Even the way I say it, confession. What comes to mind? As I was preparing for this evening, I was thinking, what comes to my mind? And my earliest memory of confession was when I was about eight years old. And one Christmas, we were fortunate enough to get a pool table. Uh, Me and my two brothers had a pool table. What fun. What amazing fun. And we had it in the good room. I don't know if you have a good room. The room that you're not really allowed in unless there's visitors. But we had the pool table in the good room. I don't know what happened to my mum and dad. Uh, And so we used to go into the good room and play pool. We had hours and hours of fun. But one particular game of pool, um, I was bridging over. And I had a really good shot lined up. And I really went, bang, hit as hard as I could. And the ball flew off the table. And went directly towards a lovely little china doll in the far corner. It hit the china doll, and it took the china doll's head off, clean off.
0: Oh no. What
1: am I going to do? What are we going to do? It wasn't just me, it was my two brothers there as well. So what we did was, we got a bit of blue tack, (laughs) as you do. Stuck it onto the bottom of the doll's head and plonked the head onto the body. She'll never know. She'll never know. About two months later, we'd forgotten about the China doll and its decapitation. Um, But my mum was doing the cleaning, the dusting. And she must have been dusting a little vigorously and managed to dust the China doll and its head came off. Oh no. She called the three boys. She looked us in the eye and said... What is this? Confession. Right? You can imagine how I felt. It was me. It was my shot that knocked the doll's head off. Confession. And I did. I admitted that I was the one who did it. And told her I was sorry. And she forgave me. Confession. I wonder what comes to your mind when I say that word. Often it comes with quite negative connotations. Confession. It's something we do when we've been naughty. It's something we do when we've been caught. There's a little joy in it. There's a little delight in it. It's something that we fear, maybe, confession. A few weeks ago, I went to London and I went to see um, Matilda in the West End. Does, any, does anyone know Matilda? Oh, Matilda. You know them, Matilda. We know Matilda. Now, here's for you. If you were to knock on, what's the headmistress of Matilda called? What's she called? Miss Trunchbull. Does everyone know Miss Trunchbull? Oh, a big ogre-like woman. If you knocked on Miss Trunchbull's door, what's the one thing that's waiting for you? It's the chokey. isn't it? A cupboard in the corner full of spikes where she sends children who confess to their wrongdoing. Miss Trunchbull and the chokey. And sometimes when we confess, and particularly when we come to God in confession, we might view it like that. That God is waiting for us to throw us in the choky. We have negative connotations of what confession is and how to go about even doing it. Well, as we look at Psalm 32, I pray that God by his spirit will change our view of confession. And rather than a negative thing, rather than something to be feared, it's actually something to treasure something to be ever so grateful for that we can come to god and confess to him knowing that because of his character he delights in it and will forgive us and will treat us not as we deserve but as jesus deserves because what jesus has done for us so hopefully psalm 32 will really enlighten us this evening so let's go for it let's dig into psalm 32 and try and learn something about confession when we understand that there is blessing from confessing and that's our title of this evening there's great blessing from confessing david begins his psalm in verse one and two as you do do you want to have that up on the screen on brilliant here he goes blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose, and whose spirit has no deceit. David begins his psalm by outlining, this is what it looks like to be blessed. Read these verses, this is what it looks like to be blessed. I wonder where you, where I, where our friends, where our family, where our world... Gets their blessing from where they seek their blessing and satisfaction. Maybe it's family. What a great gift family are family and friends. And we find our blessing, we find our satisfaction there. Maybe it's career, blessing and satisfaction. Maybe it's possession, maybe it's materialism, what we can get in this world gives us great joy, great blessing, great satisfaction. Maybe it's football. For me this week, I got great blessing and satisfaction from Jürgen Klopp becoming the Liverpool manager. I pray that that blessing and satisfaction will continue. But we'll see, time will tell. But often the world tells us that, you know what, here's where you get your blessing. Here's where you get your satisfaction. From strength from power, from success, from materialism, from independence. Do you want to be blessed? Go after those things. Do you want to be satisfied? Target that, and you'll find a real blessing, a real place of satisfaction. But you see what David does as he begins his psalm? He says something very different. He says, blessing isn't found in strength. But it's actually found in weakness. Blessing isn't found in power. Blessing is found in brokenness. Blessing isn't found in success. It's actually found in failure. Not in independence, but in utter and total dependence. And as you look at verse 1 and 2, you see that blessed is the one who understands that they are broken and in need of forgiveness? They know the truth of verses one and two as a reality for themselves. Let's have that verse up again, Norm. Verses one and two. They know the truth of these verses as a reality. Blessed are those of the one whose transgressions are forgiven. What a blessed position that is to be in—to have full assurance that you are forgiven. Blessed are those whose sin. The Lord does not count against them. And then whose spirit is no deceit. David right from the go says. You know what it means to be blessed. You know what it means to be satisfied. It's to be this man or woman. The man or woman of Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2. Forgiven. That's what it means to be blessed. Which is totally against what our world says totally against what our world says that's the blessed position the blessed position of psalm 32 is the knowledge of forgiveness the full assurance that you are forgiven now all well and good right all well and good if that's the position of blessedness but how do we go about receiving this how do we get into that position of blessedness Easy for me to stand here and say, here's what, here's what it means to be blessed. But how do we go about getting it? David's is good. David carries on. He doesn't just leave us in verse 1 and 2. But he carries on to help us understand how do we go about receiving this position of blessedness. Let's have a look at verse 5. Let's read what he says. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see, in order to get this position of blessedness, to be in this position of blessedness, it begins with a relationship. It begins with a relationship with God. And it begins particularly with knowing that that relationship is broken. It begins with an acknowledgement of sin. See what it says there in verse 5? Then I acknowledged my sin. David realizes that he is an enemy of God. He realizes that he is not obeying God, he's living in disobedience. He realizes he doesn't meet up to God's standard for his life. He knows there's something wrong, he's convicted that there's something wrong. Have you ever been convicted? That feeling inside, oh, you breathe out, you sigh. Something's wrong, something's not right. A bad feeling, a worrying feeling. The way to blessedness begins with a deep conviction. Now, this conviction can come from various sources. It could come from God's word as He speaks to us and as we read it, it could come from hearing God's word being preached. It could come from a direct conviction by the Holy Spirit. It can come from people, friends, family, who tell us we're doing wrong and not obeying God. Maybe in David's context, some say that this psalm was written in and around him and his ordeal with Bathsheba. And it may be that Nathan came to him, Nathan the prophet, and convicted him of his wrongdoing. And therefore David here is convicted of his sin. He acknowledges his sinful position. How do you get blessedness? How do you receive this position of blessedness to be forgiven? It begins with a conviction a conviction of your brokenness, an acknowledgement of sin. But it doesn't stay there, it carries on from conviction to confession. See what David says next? Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Conviction to confession. Admitting it. Talking about it. Not hiding it away. But uncovering his brokenness. And telling actually God about it. The one who he's wronged. The one who he is the enemy of. But telling him his troubles. His sin. His wrongdoing. Confessing verbally to God and not just generally that he's broken and generally that he's messed up but specifically this area of my life that area of my life confessing specifically his wrongdoing before God and it's not confession where you just confess and then you keep doing the same behaviour Or confession where actually you're more concerned about other people's wrongdoings other than yourself. You confess their sin and his sin and her sin rather than your own. Or confession where maybe you confess because you think God will bless you. Or you're trying to appease God. Or confession where you feel bad but you don't change. No, this conviction and confession leads to repentance. A confession, that leads to com- con- a confession that leads to repentance. A change of direction. We know what repentance is. From facing our sin with our back to God. To a change to our back to sin and facing God. A true conviction, confession, repentance. A change of mind. A change of attitude towards our old self. And a moving forward. To a new life. To a new way. Conviction. Confession. Repentance. This is what it looks like to be blessed. This is what it looks like to obtain forgiveness. Because look what it goes on to say. What's the result of David's confession? And you forgave the guilt of my sin. As I read that. I'm almost almost expecting something to be in between that verse. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, but such and such. Or, mmm, such and such. Or, what about this, such and such. But amazingly, there's nothing else. There's an instant and complete forgiveness. Nothing in between, just a full stop, and then the word, and you forgave the guilt of Of my sin. It's beautiful isn't it? It's absolutely wonderful. David. Has acknowledged he's broken. David has been convicted. To his very heart. He's confessed to God. He's repented. He's turned away from his old ways. And at that very instant. He receives God's forgiveness. Total and utter forgiveness. Surely he is a blessed man. Verses 1 and 2. This is what it looks like to be blessed. Blessing from confessing. How is that possible though? How is it possible for David to be instantly and totally forgiven? By merely confessing? Sounds too easy. Sounds too simple. But when we understand that our forgiveness is not earned But has been earned for us. When we understand that our right standing before God. Our forgiveness before God. Is nothing to do with ourselves. But totally to do with Jesus Christ. And his work on the cross. It changes our perspective. That I can actually come to God. And receive forgiveness. Because Jesus has taken the punishment that my sin deserves on himself. And so there's no punishment left for me. The automatic consequence is, there you go Nathan, forgiveness. I have nothing held against you. But often I get it wrong. I don't know about you, but often I get it wrong. My view of God's forgiveness is warped. Often I think, I can't just come to God. I can't just confess to him. I can't just receive forgiveness. It's too easy. I've got to do something myself. Surely I've got to clean myself up. Surely I've got to do this and that and the other before I could ever come before God and receive his forgiveness. I believe I'm welcome before God when I do well. And I'm unwelcome before God when I mess up. And so when I stumble and fail, rather than running to God to receive his forgiveness, I either run from God or at the very least try and clean myself up before I would ever dare enter his presence and ask for his forgiveness. But you see, I've got a wrong understanding of God when I do that. A wrong understanding of his grace. A wrong understanding of his forgiveness total and utter forgiveness because of what Jesus did for me. And so I can come to him. I really can come to God and receive that forgiveness. Sometimes my reality is like what it says in verse 3 and 4. Let's have a look at that on the screen. Sometimes this is what I do. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sat as in the heat of summer. Sometimes, rather than running to God to receive this blessing of forgiveness, I remain silent. I remain silent before Him. I try to conceal, I try to hide, I try to pretend I'm okay. I try to deal with my issues myself. Hmm. A little bit like my story with the china doll, right? Bit of blue tack, bit of sellotape. Put the head back on. I'll be all right. God doesn't know, but you know what? God does know, and He's not waiting like Miss Trunchbull to throw us in the chokey. He wants us to come to Him, to confess to Him when we're convicted, to turn away from our sin. And live a life for him. To receive utter and total forgiveness. So if it's true. If it's true that the blessed one is the forgiven one. And that forgiveness, this blessing, this amazing blessing of forgiveness comes through confessing. It's no surprise what David goes on to do in verse 6. Let's have a look and read what it says. There's no surprise that this is his call to the people. Therefore, if what we've taught is true, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. It's logical, isn't it? If the blessed one is the forgiven one, and forgiveness, this amazing blessing, comes from confessing, then confess. Run to God. Flee to God. Come to God. And he will give you this amazing blessing. Instantly. Totally and utterly. Without question. Without strings attached. Why? Because of Jesus. Just stop and read that verse again. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you. While you may be found, the amazing truth of that verse is that God, the one who threw the stars into space, the one who knitted you, knitted me in my mother's womb, the one who holds everything together, the most magnificent God, can be found. By me, (laughs) a broken, weak, sinful man. I can find God. He may be found. What a wonderful truth that is. Because of Jesus. But at the very same time, I don't want to take anything for granted. Because there's almost a, (laughs) the word while. Notice the word while. While. While he may be found. I don't want to take anything for granted in this room. For some of you confession as a Christian. And coming to God and getting forgiveness. You've done it. And keep doing it. But I don't want to take for granted that everyone in this room has come to God. And asked for his forgiveness. And see this verse very clearly says that (laughs) there's a time scale. God won't always be able to be found. There's a limit to the availability of his forgiveness. Please can I just say, if you haven't confessed, if you haven't come to God for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, please do. Please, please do. And maybe think about friends. Think about family. Think about people you love and care about who are in that position. They are unforgiven. Please take the urgency of that verse while he may be found seriously. Please share this amazing, beautiful thing that God offers us in forgiveness with those that you love and care about. David then continues. Because if we're still not convinced that rather than running from God but we should run to God to receive this amazing blessing of forgiveness He then shows us what God's like (laughs) So if you're still not convinced let me tell you what God is like and therefore why should we not run to Him? If this is what God's character is like we should run to Him we should flee to Him Let's read it verses 7 to 8 and then verse 10 You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And then, verse 10 Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Just look at the words in bold. This is what God's like hiding place, protection, surrounding, instruction, teaching, counseling, loving eye, unfailing love. Confession, coming to a a Miss Trunchbull like character, or coming to the one when we knock on his door, he says, Come in. How are you doing? What's going on? How can I help you? You know what, I know what's going on. I care, I really care. I'm there for you, totally and utterly. I sent my son to die for you. You know what, I love you. I really love you. How can I help you? You know what, I'm with you every step of the way. Protecting you, instructing you. I've forgiven you already and I will continue to do so. Please come to me. Have intimacy with me. Have a relationship with me. I won't throw you in the choke, honest. Because Jesus has taken the punishment. When our view of God changes, I pray that our view of confession will change. Rather than be something that we fear, or something we only do when we get caught, or what it says in verse 9 about being the horse and the mule, something we have to be dragged, kicking and screaming to do. Oh no. We'll come joyfully and willingly. Knowing that God already knows we're broken and weak. We can't fool him. He already knows. So come to him. And receive this blessing of forgiveness. So I guess as we finish. What's our response? What's our response to David in this amazing psalm, Psalm 32? He's taught us that to be blessed is to be forgiven. That's what it looks like to be blessed. To be blessed is the full assurance that you are forgiven. Your sin is not counted against you. That's what it means to be blessed. And he's told us that to receive this amazing blessing is to get it through confessing. To come to God and receive forgiveness from him. We've learned that we can't earn this forgiveness. That it's been done totally on our behalf through the work of Jesus on the cross. And we've learned that God's character is totally for us. Totally for us. Not against us. Not a trunchbull figure. But totally and utterly for us. Wanting a relationship, an intimate relationship with us. So here's the challenge. As we leave this evening, I preach this to myself. Will I be like God's people in verse 6? Where it's David pleads to them, Therefore let the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Will we leave this place prayerful? Maybe more prayerful than we've ever been before in our confession to God. Not running from him or trying to clean ourselves up before we ever would dare approach him. But know that because of the work of Jesus, we can come freely, openly, and instantly receive forgiveness. Knowing that he pleads for us to come to him. Come, come. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to grant my forgiveness. Or will we be like the silent man in verse 3? Pretend it's okay. Deal with it ourselves. Or like the horse and the mule in verse 9. To come kicking and screaming to God. Rather than fleeing to Him. Because you know what? When we understand confession. When we truly understand its beauty. And it's... (laughs) How it should be treasured. We will confess. And as we confess... We'll discover the richness and beauty of God's blessing. And as we discover the richness and beauty of God's blessing, we'll keep on confessing. And as we keep confessing, we'll get blessing. And so on and so forth. See how the cycle continues? As we come to God and receive His intimacy and receive His forgiveness, we receive His blessing. And on and on into a deeper and more fuller relationship with our Lord, we will go. A spiral that leads to intimacy. David's helpful, isn't he? Because this is his own experience. If you read the psalm yourself, you'll see he's gone through this. He's battled through this. The struggles of it, the hardness of it. And he's come to this conclusion. The conclusion of verse 6. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you. While you may be found. I pray that that will be the reality. Of each and and every one of us. As we leave this. We will pray confessional prayers. To God while he may be found. Let me pray. Lord I thank you. For your word. Lord I thank you for the. Forgiveness that is found in Jesus. And I thank you. That you call us to come to you. You call us to confess to you. Lord, thank you that you can't be fooled. You know we're broken. You know we're weak. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not fool ourselves either, pretend it's okay, or hide from you, but rather flee to you. And, Lord, that we would find the joy, the joy that it is being blessed, being forgiven, knowing with total assurance because of Jesus that at this moment, if we trust in him, we are forgiven. That's an amazing truth. And thank you for your character. That you don't sit waiting to judge us and condemn us, but Lord, you sit there ready to welcome us like a father. So Lord, I pray that that would be our reality, that we would maybe like never before this week, this month, this year, have a deeper intimacy with you through confession. We would see its beauty. We would see its absolute beauty and we would treasure it and live in the light of it. So Lord, thank you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.